I just want you to know that there's no shame, there's no fear. Uh, I have no issue at all uh, for you guys, uh, for those that have chosen to stay home or if we ever had to close the door because the government required it. Let me tell you how I feel about that. I feel that this is just a building where we come to get trained and equipped and to build relationship as a family. But for many, 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 many years, I've talked about persecution and I've talked about how important it is that we have unity outside of the church. I hit on relationships every single week and it has to happen organically. You can't program family. Family, family is not a formula. Do you understand that? Family is a pattern and it's a pattern that's first inside the father's heart. And so it's very, very important that you build relationships in your homes and outside of these four walls if for any reason ever the church had to close its doors or the economy went really bad and we couldn't pay or whatever, I don't know what's going to happen down the line. But I don't walk in any fear. In fact, I'm so insanely excited I can't stand it. And I mean it. And let me tell you why. I feel like that I was born for adversity. I feel like I was born for adversity. And I feel like you were too. Now, that doesn't mean living in full-time adversity. But so many of us have gone through hardships, troubles, trials, tribulation, and adversity at one time or another in our lives, right? Some more than others. I've been through a lot of adversity. And one thing that I've always learned in adversity is instead of shrinking back and pulling back, I lean in. If this is not a time to walk in fear, or be afraid, or isolate yourself, but rather a time to get aggressive and lean in. And I'll talk about what that looks like in the weeks and the months to come, and I talk about that all the time. But when the going gets tough, I increase my level of passion, faith, prayer, and aggressiveness so that I can hear God's voice and know how to respond accurately. I talked a little bit about this yesterday on my live, uh, Facebook live feed, but when Amber and I had the most tragic situation happen in our lives in 2016 and we lost a child, both of us were in agreement. This was the most difficult thing she'd ever been through. But we made a decision from the very beginning in the darkest hour to look for Jesus and to respond properly because we knew we would come out on the backside and have a testimony to share from it. And because of that response, both of our lives flamed on, but more so even my wife's. She's testified about it. She's preached about it. She's talked about it extensively. But from painting, writing, preaching, speaking, so many things that she never did before, now her life became a fruitful garden because of how she chose to respond. And so I'm telling each and every one of you, no matter what you go through or what you face, your response is so important. And for me, my response is, this is what I have chosen to give my life to the Lord for. Right. I was in adversity when I gave my life to Jesus, first of all, just so y'all know. I was. <laughs> Not everybody will be, but everybody's got to respond to the love of Christ and give their life to him. I hope my kids and your son and your granddaughter never has to go through what so many of us had to go through. I hope that they don't have to be in prison or in crisis or strung out on drugs or at rock bottom to respond to Jesus. We're teaching our children to respond in advance and teaching them from the lessons and the mistakes that we have made. But I also know that for so many of us, it was when we were at our end that we found his beginning. And I knew that in the midst of darkness and chaos and confusion around me, I had to respond to life and light that was coming upon me and ultimately in me. And so I'll say this again. Do not let the confusion and the turmoil and the chaos of the world around you affect the peace and the joy that's on the inside of you. 
you have a full-grown Jesus living inside of you if you've given your life to Jesus, and he's not caught off guard. He's not surprised. He's still on the throne, and he's still on the throne of our hearts. And so God gives us wisdom and insight, and that means that we take practical measures at times because the practical is also spiritual. Remember that. The practical is also spiritual. So washing our hands and sanitizing everything here in the church, it's okay to not shake somebody's hand right now. It's okay to not hug somebody. Uh, it's okay to wipe, take extra precautions. Do what it is that you know is the smart and right thing to do, but be spirit-led in the midst of it. Because sometimes the practical becomes intellectual and you miss the leading of the Holy Spirit. Right. And I want to say to you guys and everybody that's watching online that I firmly believe the greatest and highest form of Christian maturity is to be spirit-led at all times. Now's the time to be spirit-led, which means it's very, very, very important that you shut down anything in your life that's not of the Lord or that so any sin that so easily entangles you. Did you know even fear can be a sin? Did you know that? Biblically, the Bible says anything that's not of faith is sin. So it's time for us to have confident faith. It's time for us to not allow ourselves to pull back or shrink back, but to lean in even more. This is just the beginning of many other things to come over the course of time. We've had a relative, incredibly time of peace. We live in a country where there's no great persecution. We have religious liberties. We have freedom. We can gather and publicly declare the gospel everywhere we go. And yeah, there's some persecutions, but nothing like what some other nations have to face on a daily basis and how they have to live their lives. And I understand that this global pandemic um, is something like none of us have ever seen. I get that. But I also want you to know that this pales in comparison of what could be coming down the line. Yeah. This is going to pass. It will pass. Yeah. God will bring life and grace and healing and power in the midst of it. And it's only really designed to wake us up and cause us to pay more attention and be more diligent to know him, to love him, to seek him, and to be disciplined. The Bible says a man without discipline is like a city with broken down walls. Another way that I read it, which I have paraphrased, is a man without discipline is like a man who leaves the front door of his house open all night long. And none of us would leave the front door of our houses open all night long, right? We close our doors, we lock them, I have an alarm system, and I, like, don't want anybody coming to my house ever without being invited, just so that you know. And so, so I'm telling you that it's such an important time now not to be afraid. God loves you. He can still be found. Do you understand that? God loves you, and he can still be found. Isaiah 55 says, seek the Lord while he still may be found, which means there will come a day when he won't be able to be found upon the return of Jesus. And we're going to talk in a moment about the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord. Now, I'm not a, a major eschatology end time guy. I don't walk in lots of fear about the end times. In fact, I don't walk in any fear about the end times. When adversity strikes, when hardship comes and people, hearts are failing due to fear, that's when I realize it's my time and your time and the church's time to shine. I get so excited. I really just can hardly stand it. Now, on the flip side, my heart breaks. In the midst of my excitement, there's also sadness. There's also brokenness. There's also repentance. And that repentance is this understanding that I stand in behalf and you stand for the churches all over the world and the body of Christ all over the world. 
people's hearts are failing, the world is, is dying, people are broken. So what should the church's response be in the midst of times like this? It should be life, light, power, confidence, boldness, but also repentance, compassion, and brokenness. So we have compassion. We have repentance in our own hearts for the nation, for the nations of the world. Coronavirus seems to have brought the world to its knees. But I was already on my knees long before, and so should you have been. That's why you have to learn to be proactive and not reactive. And if you've been behind the eight ball and you haven't been doing what you're supposed to be doing, it's time to wake up. And it's time for you guys to respond accordingly and appropriately to the faith that you have given your life and the army that you've enlisted to so many years ago. And if you don't know Jesus, there's no better time to know him. When the world is full of chaos, this is the time that we have strength, security, and an anchor and a hope for our soul that when the world seems to be sinking, we are full of stability and strength and confidence. Let me give you a great example. There was a time when Jesus got in the boat with his disciples to go to the other side of the, of the Sea of Galilee. And as they were going across to the other side at night, a storm hit. And there, the waves were crazy, 8 to 10 feet high. They're in the middle of the sea, in the middle of the night. And what happens? The disciples start to freak out, they're paranoid, and they feel like they're going to die and that the boat is going to sink. But Jesus was in the boat with them. And Jesus just so happened to be in the bottom of the boat, asleep. Now, that story always fascinates me. How in the world could Jesus have been asleep in the bottom of a boat that was flooding in the middle of eight foot seas? It's an ancient boat. It's not a yacht. It's not a cruise ship. It's an ancient wooden boat. And he's in the bottom of the boat asleep with taking on flooding water. Fascinates me. It really just fascinates me. And so the disciples are freaked out. They think they're going to die. So they cry out to Jesus. They wake him up, cry out to him and say, we're going to die. So he gets up, comes up to the top of the boat, and he rebukes the storm, and then he rebukes them and says, oh, you have little faith. Now, what should the disciples' response have been? It wasn't to command the storm to be still. It was to be like Jesus, that in the midst of the storm, when the boat's rocking and the world's full of chaos, that he was at rest and he was at peace. So one of the things that I've learned, and this is one way of being aggressive in the midst of chaos, is stay at peace and be rested. That's our form of aggression. Here's another form of aggression. Yeah. Down on my knees yes. with my hands lifted high. Yes. See, the weapons of our warfare are not the way that the world fights. We fight differently. And that's why we had our elders pray today on a national, a national day of prayer that our president has declared. But we constantly stay in an attitude of prayer. And so I want to give you guys a couple of little things that the Lord has showed me, and then I'm going to show you a few things from Scripture after we receive our offering. Here's the first thing. This is an incredibly beautiful time for you to pray together with your family. Most people will accept prayer, extended family, but in your immediate family, gather up your children and explain to your children, look, the world is sick, and we have Jesus, we have the answers, and teach your children how not to fall into fear because many of us will be gone when our children are our age or older. And so this is a beautiful time to teach our children to have faith and confidence and to pray and to not be afraid. Here's the deal. The world has been sick for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. It's been infected with an even worse poison and disease 
than coronavirus. Did you know that? It's called the poison of sin. And it came from the garden. And it has infected humanity since day one. <clears throat> and so I'm telling you that this is the time for us to be the light, the salt, and the answer in a hurting and dying world. And if you've come here today hurting, afraid, if you've been battling fear, if your mind's been going crazy, this is the time where those that have mental health struggles can really spin out. And that's why we need each other. That's why God desires a family, so that you know that you're not alone, so that you don't isolate yourself, you don't go through it alone. This is the time where we need each other. And so if any of you feel alone, if any of you are alone, if any of you feel like there's no one there for you, you can't get toilet paper for whatever reason. Well, we know the reasons why. It, I know. <clears throat> I'm just telling you, if you're alone and hurting and you feel isolated, this is the time you need family and community. It doesn't have to be another great message or another great worship. We need worship. We need corporate prayer. We need good words that challenge us. And I'm going to show that to you from the scripture, even especially in times like this. But it's very, very important to me. Let me tell you what matters the most to me is that you don't go it alone and that you have family. No matter what you're doing. I don't care if you're spinning out on drugs, alcohol, porn. I do not care. Do you, I mean, I care, but I'm saying do not let anything keep you back from family. All right? And you say, well, I don't know how to get into family here. I've been coming here for a while, or maybe you're new here, and you're like, I don't know how to get in a relationship. So what I would challenge you to do is, especially if you're a high introvert, get out of your comfort zone and come and talk with any one of the leaders here. There are so many. In fact, you were given a handout today that shows every leader's name and email in the church. We make this available to everyone. And if you don't know who to turn to and who to talk to, come and talk with any one of us and the leaders, and I'll direct you in the right place. From our men's ministry, our women's ministry, our recovery ministry on Monday nights, from our young adults ministry to our high school ministry to our marriage ministry, we'll do everything we can to help you get into relationship. And the good news is, is we have technology, email, phone, Facebook, social media, where we can communicate our struggles and our challenges. But what I want to encourage you to do is not panic, not fear, not fall into doubt, worry, and disbelief. And also, don't play the victim card. If you have been hurting and alone and isolated, please do me a favor. Let us know in advance that you're struggling. We'll do the very best that we can to help you. We'll do the best that we can to help you. And so I'll take a crisis SOS Facebook message all day long, but it would be really nicer if you, in advance, said, I'm alone, I need help, and I'm struggling. All right, but still never stop crying out for help at any time that you need it. This is where the body of Christ stands together. All right, so that's the, a couple things there. Let me give you a few more things and then we'll receive the offering and I'll share a word with you guys, okay? Um, <clears throat> we're gonna call a three-day fast starting tomorrow through Wednesday. Wednesday, the church is going to be open all day long for scripture reading and prayer and worship from 6 a.m. all the way till service time. We already have our incense time anyway during that time, which is morning, noon, and night. But I'm calling on all the leaders and the volunteers to pull together 
And any of you that could dedicate time to be here to pray and to worship or to come as much as you can, please see Pastor Marlene if you can dedicate some time on Wednesday to be here to pray. If everybody take a little slot, take an hour, and come in and read scripture. I'm gonna show you a time in Nehemiah 8 when the wall had just finally been rebuilt and the captives have come back from captivity out of Babylon. They called Ezra and Ezra came and for the first time publicly read the scriptures, publicly out loud. Prior to that time, the scriptures were kept with the scholars and the theologians and the religious leaders. But Ezra came and they built this two-story platform and all the families and all the children came and stood as Ezra read, Ezra read the Bible, the, the book of the law, from morning until night. Morning, I'm sorry, morning until noon for six hours. And in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 6, roughly, it says that the people responded by lifting their hands and they bowed their heads and they worshiped the Lord. How? And it says they said, amen, amen, two times publicly. And I'd like to do that today before we leave. Amen, amen. And they worshiped and then they bowed their heads to the ground in agreement with what the Lord was saying and doing. Amen means, yes, Lord, let it be so. It means that you're saying, I'm coming into agreement with God's word and not the things of this world. The best thing that I can teach you guys right now is not a moment of inspiration, but a lifetime of revelation. And that's this book right here. This is the time for you to learn God's word more than ever before. We have home groups. I have this idea to create more Bible studies. I think you guys need to fellowship more, learn more. A lot of people come and say, I don't even know where to begin to read this Bible. Well, we want to teach you. And there's so many great Bible studies and tools that are available to you online. But I want to challenge you more than ever, everyone listening online sitting here today, get into God's word. Learn what the Lord has to say about a matter. Because we've got the news and Facebook, and we have so many ways to learn about what's happening in this world system from the news sources but I can assure you God has something to say about everything that's happening that's even better than what you're hearing in this world. It's called the good news. Yeah. God always brings good news. Woo. So if you're battling hopelessness, if your heart is fading, if you're depressed, if you're worried, if you're freaked out, we're here for you today. Yeah. There's no shame. You're not less spiritual. You're not not good enough. You're not a bad Christian. Stop listening to those lies. You hear me? Please, I'm telling you, lovingly, don't listen to those lies. God never gives up on you. We're all in process. We're all in discovery. And God always has this way of stretching his arm out to you all day long to reveal himself to you. And that's what the church is here for. So let's pick ourselves up, leave yesterday behind you, and always run to his word and run to the truth and trust him like you've never trusted him before. All right? So the next thing is, I want to, something's been happening inside this church that's pretty unique. It should be overly normal, but it's unique in the sense it's happening more than it's happened uh, maybe ever. And here's what's happening. A lot of you are getting dreams like you've never had before. I'm having people come up to me every day or message me saying, I had a dream about you, about the church, about our nation. They're very revelatory, seemingly right now or end time type dreams. 
And so I don't want to not take that seriously. The Bible says in Joel 2.28 and in Acts chapter 2 that in these last days, which have been going on for a while, but is, is as ever prevalent now as it's ever been, that God would pour out his spirit upon all flesh and his sons and daughters would prophesy, dream dreams, and see visions. And many of you are getting dreams or are going to start having dreams. And a lot of times I'm in them or somebody else is from the churches in or the churches in them. So one, I want to ask you to take your dreams seriously and I want you to listen and I want you to pay attention. Prepare to write them down the minute you wake up, okay? I had a dream this morning where our church was uh, laid out similar to this but different. It was three stories high and down below it seemed like there were not a lot of people here in the congregation. It seemed like maybe only 40 people were there. And then I looked up, and the worship team was playing, and there was a worship leader by the name of Leland leading worship, okay, which I hadn't thought about him for a while. I wanted to bring him here, and I've tried to make that happen. I think it's going to happen. But he was up there leading worship, and behind the stage, it, there, were, there were stadium rafters going up another three stories filled to the brim with people. I had that this morning. And I've had another profound, prolific dream earlier this year. And people are coming up telling me, I had this dream, I had this dream, I had this dream. So here's what I want you to do. It's hard for me to interpret every dream, and I really want you to learn to interpret your own dreams. But first, I got to get some of you to believe that God even speaks through dreams today, which he does. You'll spend a third of your life sleeping. You know that, right? Did you know a third of this Bible came through dreams and visions? A third of this Bible through dreams and visions. You cannot neglect dreams and visions. God speaks to so many of us as like movie reels in pictures, and we see them. Take them seriously, okay? Don't, I'm telling you, limit any chemicals you put in your body before you go to bed. Read the Bible before you go to bed, and pay attention and take them seriously, because God's going to speak through dreams. If you have a dream about this church, me, or something you feel is very specific that we need to know, I want you to send an email to my assistant, who's also our children's director, which is melody at rockcitycorpus.com. This is also for those of you that are watching online or listening by podcast. And uh, if you start having these crazy dreams, we're going to, uh, I say crazy in the context of wild, not like you're crazy. But, and don't write any dream off, by the way. Don't write any dream off, okay? Especially the kids. The kids are going to, we ask our kids almost every morning, did you dream anything last night? You know, because God's going to start speaking to the children in a profound way. So we pray before we go to bed out loud, Lord, we ask for prophetic dreams and visions of the night. I pray this every night with my kids. And then in the morning we wake up, we say, did you have any dreams? All right. And so if you'll email Melody at rockcitycorpus.com, what we're going to do is we're going to create a journal of dreams. But I also want to throw in visions. And for those of you that see things in the spirit, biblically, seers are very real. And I need seers around me because I don't see as much stuff in the spirit like some of you guys do. I sense things, I feel things, but some of you have a really incredible ability to see things in the spirit. And so if you see things or you have visions or you have dreams, would you please email those to us so that we can put those inside of a journal book? And then I'll have those as a chronicles that I can look over. Yes, thank you. You guys all right with that? And then I'll share those as the Lord leads. And then... Um, I just want to say to you guys that as of this point, all of the local church functions are going to continue to go forward as planned. 
We know that all meetings of 500 or more have been told to be limited. Right now, we don't have that uh, going on. That's going to change it someday because I know our church is growing. But uh, we're still going to have our barbecue at tonight. We're still going to have the Redeemed Group, which is our uh, alcohol and drug recovery and mental health recovery group that meets tomorrow night. We'll still meet here. And uh, we're still going to plan to have Wednesday night service. But if for some reason anything were to change... And the, I felt like the Lord said, okay, we need to cancel that event or we need to cancel the service or if, uh, God forbid there was going to be, there was really a invasion of this epidemic, then I would be honorable and I would close the doors to the church. We'd go live stream, but you all still need to meet in your homes, but you need to be responsible. If you're sick or have anything contagious or you're not sure, get tested, call the hotlines, do your research, get educated. Don't be ignorant right now you know what ignorant means it doesn't mean you're a dummy ignorant means you don't know it's where we get the word agnoi and it's where we get the word agnostic agnostics are people that believe god may or may not exist but we don't know so do your research most of us aren't medical experts but there's so much great information online that you can uh, study and learn and do your research and educate yourself okay I sent out a detailed two-page letter to the entire congregation uh, that's a member here. It went to your email, and it also went to the Rock City Tribe page. Now, these are for members, so we may not have all your emails because you may not be a member yet, and you may not have seen my email that I wrote. I was very detailed. It was a little lengthy, but I'd rather give you more information than less, okay? And so it's my heart and my position. I also did a Facebook Live yesterday, which Amber was like, what do you even have to talk about? <laughs> I said, I'm not really sure, but I know I have something to say, right? And so, of course, I thought it'd be 15, 20 minutes. Next thing you know, it's 55 minutes. And the haunting voice of my wife came into my head and said, <laughs> I could hear her as like my conscience. She wasn't there. So I could hear her conscience. I said, okay, I better wrap it up now. Somehow it was 55 minutes. I don't have any idea how it went 55 minutes, right? But it's incredible how many people logged on and commented. And I just wanted to be my, share my heart on that. And what I really wanted to come across and what I want you to do is not, especially those of you that are Christians that are watching or listening online, this is an incredible time for us to show resiliency. It's an incredible time to show peace and rest in the midst of the storm. Yeah. Not fear, worry, division, divisiveness. That's not what we represent okay it's also not pansy christianity i'm not a peter pan pastor and you're not a peter pan christian okay what i mean by that is you know we we live in the kingdom of god not the magic kingdom we have power we have resiliency we have confidence boldness and strength and if you don't have it today we're going to pray for you you're in the right place okay you're going to walk out of here confident <clears throat> you're going to walk out of here confident and secure and bold in every way of your life, all right? And so we want to stand with you, we want to pray with you, and what I really wanted to have come across in that live feed was peace, was rest, was confidence, was boldness, was certainty in the midst of uncertainty. And that's where the scripture says, always be ready to give an answer for the hope that's inside of you. But you have to have hope inside of you. So if you're hopeless, we're going to instill some hope into you today. Amen? Amen? All right. You guys good with that? Okay. 
So we're going to receive an offering, and before we receive the offering, I want to say something to you about money during this time. Back in the day, before there was online giving and before you had virtual church or live stream churches, if a church closed down due to weather, the only time I'd ever seen a church close its doors was due to a natural disaster. And that natural disaster was when I was in Oklahoma and there were ice storms. And some ice storms would shut the church down. People couldn't even drive to church. Now, I have seen where hurricanes hit and it shut churches down. Of course, we've never seen anything like we're seeing right now. But I remember during those times, if the church was closed, the financial hit that that church would take in one given Sunday. We have staff, we have responsibilities, and, and people can't give for whatever reason, or especially in the recession. I remember in the recession, the giving of churches substantially went down, and a lot of staff had to be laid off. It was a brutally hard time for churches. But we live in a different day now where most of you are giving online, and I want to encourage you to switch your giving to online. I know there's something nice about putting money in the bucket, and we still pass the buckets because it's an act of worship here. But I want to encourage you guys to give online. I want to encourage you to switch that to give online because that way, whether we can be here or not, we can always make sure that we receive the offerings so that we can do what we're called to do. The next thing that I want you to know is that if you've been a part of this church for any period of time, you know that I am very non-pressure when it comes to giving money. I don't believe you should ever be compulsed or your arms twisted. I believe you should be a cheerful giver and you should give because you love the Lord and because you know everything came from him. And so I'm very free and non-pressure tactic when it comes to finances. The other great thing that I'm excited about because it's for times like this is that over the years, I've always celebrated how well our church has done financially. This church has never, ever, ever, ever had a money problem. In fact, I'll stand up. I don't take extra offerings for anything except special guest speakers, so that you know, because we want to bless those that come to minister. And I celebrate the finances with you. And I want to celebrate now. This church has over $100,000 in savings. Yeah! Woo! Right? And that is a wonderful thing. And I, I realize some say, oh, well, then I don't need to give. No. The reason why we have $100,000 in savings is because you've been giving. And we spend our money wisely. But I also want you to know I'm not afraid. And I'll say this to you. I get it. The economy's had some of the most roller coaster rides it's ever had. And the day could come where the economy gets completely shut down. And gold and silver or Bitcoin or other things might be the commodities. I don't know. But what I do know is I don't put my trust in my stuff or my things. I also don't put my trust in the giving of this church or my coffee shops. You know, some nations right now have shut down cafes and restaurants. France and even Israel and others may follow suit. Which if that ever happened here, it would highly affect me personally because I own coffee shops. But it'll affect all of us in one way, shape, or another. And some of us may already be feeling some of the effect of what's happening in the economy around us. But I've always had this attitude, and I'll say it again. Never hold on to anything so tight so that God doesn't have to pry it out of your hands. Do all you can to get debt free. And realize you can't take anything with you, and in the end, it's all going to burn. Now, I'm not a doomsday guy. I'm just telling you. That's how I look at my stuff. It's all going to burn in the end. You can't take any of it with you. Do I take care of it? Yes. Am I glad I have it? Yes. But we have it. It doesn't have us. Yes. And so this is a very important time for you to trust in the Lord and not be afraid.
but also to continue to do the things as the Lord leads in your life. I teach you when it comes to money every single week, be spirit-led with your finances. Be spirit-led with your finances. Biblically, God gives us a standard of 10%, and he doesn't ever deviate from that. But when you, when you make the decisions of how much to give and what to give, always ask the Lord and be faithful with what you have. Amen? And the best time to give is in the times of uncertainty or when it's really a sacrifice. Those are the best times to give, all right? So with that, let's receive our tithes and offerings right now. Come on. If you're watching us online, you can give online on our website, rockcitycorpus.com. Also, you can text 77977 and type in Rock City Corpus in all caps, and you'll be able to set up an account where you can give directly by text message, all right? There's also an envelope in the seat pocket in front of you. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much, Lord, that we are part of the kingdom, not of this world. I pray over everybody's finances that are listening online, uh, listening by podcast or watching right now. I pray over this family and this congregation. And I thank you, Lord God, that we will in no way take a hit financially with what's going on in the world. And that even if we do, we'll know how to adjust, but we'll never stop giving back to you. I thank you, Jesus, that you take care of us because we're your children and we're part of the kingdom and not of this world. I pray that right into every single one of you, you be faithful and good stewards with what God has given your life. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, ushers, go ahead and pass the buckets. This morning, I want to start, we're going to, I'm going to give you two sets of scriptures today that I feel are extremely relevant uh, with what's happening in the world around us, and particularly to God's church. Let's jump to Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to start at verse 19. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. This passage of scripture is continuing on and talking about Jesus as our great high priest, talking about how Jesus has made a way where there was no way, talking about how we have hope in the midst of great uncertainty, that we have someone that we can always look to as the head of our lives and the head of God's church. And it says this, we should have boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Because the blood was shed for our lives and for the remission of sin, we have access. Everybody say, I have access. I have access. That's right. So the enemy's always lying. He's always saying to you, you're a failure, you're a screw-up, you're a mess-up, and you can't approach God. Now, you can only approach God through the blood of Jesus. And the blood of Jesus comes through repentance. It comes through God's forgiveness. It comes because of the cross. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. But you respond to it by repentance and forgiveness and allowing the blood of Jesus to cover your life. And because of what he did and because of the blood, everybody say, I have access. And I have it boldly. That's right. So I have learned and have taught you guys consistently in this church and over this year in particular that even if you bombed it, blew it, and screwed everything up, no matter what you did last night or yesterday, the blood still speaks. The blood is still alive. Jesus still gave his life for you, and you still have access through repentance and through his forgiveness, but you have to come that way. All right? You have to always come to the Lord with repentance and saying, Lord, I don't want to do the things that I did. I confess my sins to you and I receive the blood of Jesus on my life. And then now I can come boldly. Even if you screw it up again, which many of you have and many of you will, 
mistakes have happened repeatedly in my life so many times, even as a Christian. And even as I've come boldly, and then I found myself messing up again in some way. Now, over the course of time, you should be maturing. Over the course of time, you should be coming to the place where you're not opening the doors to the flesh and living the way that you used to. God wants to drive out sin in your life because sin will kill you. But even when you make sins or, or make mistakes and sin in your life, you still can have access, but it always comes through forgiveness and the blood of Jesus. Verse 20. By a new and living way, which he consecrated for us. Notice it says a new and living way. Jesus is alive. Jesus still made a way that lives today, which he consecrated for us. How? Through the veil that is his flesh. So, the, so to really enter into the Holy of Holies, the real veil now isn't a curtain, it's his flesh. And we go through the cross and we go through the blood and we have access to the promises and the purposes and the Holy of Holies, which is through his flesh. Verse, next verse. And having a high priest over the house of God. Let's everybody say this together. Say, I have a high priest who's over my house. He's over what? The house of God. And it's important that you catch this. Because in times of crisis and uncertainty, we always find ourselves looking to man. It would be easy for me to try to rescue everybody and post 24 hours a day and be online and but if you don't get lordship and headship in your life, your heart's going to faint. Who is over this house? Say our high priest. Right. Now, do I take my responsibilities seriously? Yes, I do. Has God appointed me as an apostolic leader over this house? Yes, he has. Okay? Which means I have to be extra diligent. Pay attention. Listen. Pray. And take the words that I give you very, very responsibly. But your job is to make sure that you have Jesus as your high priest. That's the greatest thing that I could teach you. Lordship, Jesus is your high priest over your house, over this house, over the body of Christ all over the world, and to not walk in fear and to hear his voice. And when God speaks to me on your behalf, which he will, we understand from Exodus 18, when Jethro instructed Moses how he was to lead the people, he said, stand before God and bring the problems and the struggles and the challenges to God, and then teach them publicly what God was saying to Moses. And then he said, as far as dealing with the people's individual struggles, raise up elders and leaders, able men that fear God, that hate covetousness. And then he said, put them over fives, tens, fifties, and hundreds. And that's why I have team leaders. That's why Jesus raised, spent three years with 12 people, and then he would pray and break the bread before God and give thanks and hand it to the, to the apostles and disciples and have them separate the people and, pray and deliver it to the people. So it's very, very important that when I give you a word or I do a Facebook Live, as your, and you should, you know, I have, by the way, I want to introduce Carl and Angela West to you who are here from Houston, and he is my regional president over me in the tribe of Judah motorcycle ministry. Stand up and just say hi to everybody. Really thankful that you guys came today. And I love the tribe of Judah. Yesterday I got to officiate a, a funeral for an outlaw biker, 33 years old, that was killed on his ride back from Houston, the same ride that I went to. And I got to stand in front of hundreds of hurting and broken people and outlaw bikers, many that are atheists and Satanists, and tell them how much they need to give their life to Jesus. 
especially now. Yeah! Woo! That gets me so fired up. And so Moses was instructed to bring what God is saying to the people corporately and to raise up people that can be actively involved in your lives individually. Now, some of you need those leaders in your life, and some of you are becoming those leaders or will become those leaders. But stay the course, because God's got a process of leadership for everybody in the kingdom. And so what you're supposed to do is take the little words or the nuggets or the Facebook lives that I give you and water, the, water them. They're seeds that I will plant that God's given me, the seeds of the word, and then you water them and get your own unique revelation. Study them in the word for yourself. When we had Prophet Kevin here three weeks ago, man, it was one of the most powerful times I've ever had, and I had an experience like I'd never had in my whole life. And that whole weekend, he really hit hard our responses and how they shape our soul, and then he really hit hard holiness and the fear of God. If you were here, it was, it was the, the most incredible services and teachings on holiness and the fear of God I'd ever heard. And I had people say, well, why aren't you continuing to teach on holiness and the fear of God? I said, you know why? Because I'm watering the word right now. It was so impactful for me that I take it so seriously that I'm reading Proverbs 1 and Proverbs 2 over and over and over. I must have read it 30, 40 times. Because I don't want to just be haphazard with God's word. I don't just throw scriptures out. It's a sword. It's full of power. It's full of life. And so I water the word, and now you water the word. Many times I preach something to you that God gave me six or seven months ago, or a year ago, or just things I'm, I'm learning on my own, and then God says, that's what I want you to teach to them. But it's your job and your responsibility to take those words and to water them, and to understand that we have a high priest that's leading me. He's your same high priest. You have boldness because he had the cross, because his flesh was ripped in two. You have access, and so keep running to him, and don't shrink back. Whoa. Keep running to him, and don't shrink back, all right? It's lordship. Next verse. So because of that, what should you do? What's your response? Draw near with fear? Draw near with some assurance. Draw near with a maybe. Draw near with a, I hope so. I beat this drum. Man, do I beat this drum. Because one thing I can confidently say is no matter where I've been or what I've done, I've learned how much Jesus loves me and how the kindness of the Lord has never given up on me. And I know what the cross did. And it's never going to be diminished by my doubt. Don't let the cross be diminished by your doubt. You can draw near to God with a true heart and full assurance of faith, but here's the condition. There's always a condition. With your heart sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with the water of the word. There's two things with pure water. There's the water of God's word, his rhema word, and his written word, okay? So this word is rhema, God washing you with his truth, with his life to combat the lies of the enemy, then I'm going to say this to you again. You can't know what God's saying until you know what he has said. Now, you can hear, I love yous, I care about yous, I want you, I'm desiring you, I won't give up on you. But you start to really get equipped with God's word and have answers and understanding when you know this word. 
So there's never been a more important time, in my opinion, than to learn God's word. But what's the sprinkling? The blood of Jesus. Everybody say the blood of Jesus. What's the washing? It's the water of the word. Everybody say the water of the word. That's right. And your baptism. When you were baptized, it was a washing of the way of the old you. So if you've been baptized and you picked up that old you, you better take him back to your funeral. Remember what you did in the water and take him back to the cross because you're not that person anymore. No more going back to the way that you once were, all right? So now I can wash, I can come to the Lord in full assurance. How? Why? I went to the cross, I have the blood, and now I'm washed. And what I want to say to all of you is even if you haven't or you know somebody that hasn't gone to the cross and hasn't got the blood and hasn't been washed, guess what? Jesus died for them to give them access to those things. Take them to the cross. Take them to the blood. Wash them with the water of God's word. Prophesy over them. Become the word in flesh. When I preached the memorial yesterday, I didn't bring up a Bible. I didn't quote a lot of scriptures, but I said a lot of biblical things because I am the word in flesh. And I'm preaching to lots of lost people. Lots of lost people that aren't going to understand that. So I am, you are. Let's everybody say this together. Say, I am, I am the, word the Word in flesh because Jesus is in me. That's it, right. Okay? So next verse. There's a pattern here. And let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. So a confession of your hope. Notice that I'm confessing hope constantly. What's coming out of your mouth? Listen, COVID-19 is going to pass. This isn't a word for right now. This is a word all the time. Be proactive, not reactive. And if you haven't been proactive, get proactive now. It's not too late. The confession of my hope is I'm not wavering. Don't waver right now. Listen to what God's saying. Understand you have a high priest. Understand he made a way. And, and the reason why your confession of your hope is without wavering is because this last part. He who promised. He made a promise. And he's faithful. He who promised is faithful. Woo! I love that so much. Next verse. Now, this is where it really gets good. All that was great. This is great too. So in the midst of all that, you're not wavering in your hope. You're not wavering in your confession. You have full assurance. You have access. You have the blood. You've been washed. You repent. The veil's been ripped in two. All that stuff that I just said. And he goes to this. He says, and also let us consider one another. Because you can't have one without the other. You can't have the vertical without the horizontal the the greatest commandment love the lord your god with all your heart and mind soul and strength and some people stop there and they isolate and they become lone rangers and no you have to demonstrate love with action and that is let us consider one another which means i'm thinking about i'm considering you i'm constantly thinking about you you know that right i mean it God, I'm constantly thinking about y'all. Whether I know your name or have met you ever, and you come here, you are a part of this church under my covering and Amber's covering. So I'm thinking about you and I'm considering you. What am I thinking about? 
how I can stir you up to do what? Love and have good works. Notice love and good works because love is a verb. Love is a verb. Love and good works. So good works always have to be a result of the cross and the blood. Yes! Woo! That gets me so excited. Am I the only one? I mean, where's the fire in this house? Woo! So, we, so you have to, you can't receive all that from God and have full assurance and have access and not do this part. You can't. So let us consider one another, stir up love and good works. Now watch this. If I'm considering you in love and I want to do good works for your life or challenge you to do good works, look at the next part. You can't do it alone. That's why I'm so thankful y'all showed up today. And yeah, for a lot of people, this is a great risk that we could show up. But I said, you know what? I said, right now we have the freedom to do it. I don't want to be dishonorable to our mayor. I don't want to be dishonorable to the, the government leaders. I don't think it's unbiblical what they're doing. I don't think it's a great persecution. I think that they're wanting to protect the people of an invasive disease. I get it. But I also had to weigh everything out and pray it all through. There's not been a confirmed case that we know of in Corpus Christi and in New Oasis County. Let's praise God for that and believe that there won't be. But even if there is, we're still going to pray and we're still going to believe. And I don't find in any spot where, you know, Jesus said, run away when somebody's sick. So if I have to wear a mask or wear gloves or wash my hands extra, whatever I'm going to do. But, but I personally am never going to walk in fear of catching somebody else's sickness. But I'm going to be smart. I'm going to be real smart. And to be smart is I'm going to be spirit led. And I'm not going to be reckless. I've gone to homeless shelters and I've gone to pray for somebody. And while I'm about to pray for them that at a homeless shelter, I could see like nests in their dreadlocks and in their hair of, I don't even know what was in their hair, but lice. And I, I know people had had lice and God showed me that person's got lice. And he says, and I want you to hug them. Now I'm not, it was because the Lord led me, but I'm not telling you to be reckless. There's a lot of hands I'm not shaking right now. There's hugs I'm not giving right now. And I'm totally fine with you not giving a hug or a handshake right now. I also know if I do, because it's so normal to shake somebody's hand, right? It's so odd not to shake a hand. It's like oddly uncomfortable. And so, especially for a guy like me, high extrovert, I'm a hugging guy, right? So, when I go to hug somebody, I don't breathe in their mouth. I turn my head the other way. And if I shake a hand, if I shake a hand, you know what I don't do? I don't touch my face. And then as soon as I can, I go and I wash my hands. I've already been back to the bathroom to wash my hands because I inadvertently just, you know, shake hands. And I don't believe anybody here is infected. But in case somebody was, we take the precautions and we take, make the right choices, right? but we trust in the blood of Jesus at all times. You can't forsake the assembling of yourself together, as is in the manner of some. Now, I'm going to show you something really powerful about this. Assembly means a large gathering. You can look it up. God never wants us to stop assembling together. If they took this building away, I have my house. If they took my house away, I have a street corner. I'll find a parking lot. And if it comes down to a China-type thing, then I'll be a martyr. I don't know what else to tell you. I don't love my life under the death, and neither should you. 
Revelations 12, 11 makes it clear. We've overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, and we don't love our lives unto the death. Please stop being in, in bondage to death. It's bondage. And it doesn't mean that we're reckless. It means that we're spirit-led. So notice this. Don't forsake the assembling of yourself together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. Now I want you to watch this. That's what I really want to show you next verse. Notice these four words, so much the more. So much the more. This is going to pass. Probably the bigger thing we're all going to deal with one day, and it may be our children or our children's children, is persecution. There's countries already dealing with it. You will get killed if you're found with the Bible. North Korea and you're found with the Bible, you are dead. You understand that, right? Many nations. You can't pray publicly. You can't have meetings like this. Underground churches, they bulldoze churches in China. If you aren't registered with the government or you try to do your own thing and it's not their way, it's over for you. But what I'm saying to you is, what should our response be? Notice the word so much more as you see the day approaching. Certainly, we can all see the day approaching. I don't know when it's going to be, and I'm not living like, oh my gosh, it's going to be tomorrow, but it could be. And if Jesus comes back tonight or the midnight hour, the bridegroom calls, and it's a screeching sound that terrifies the world, it doesn't terrify you. Because you go, oh, I, I was waiting for this. If, my, if your house lights up in the middle of the night, listen to me. If your house lights up in the middle of the night and you hear the sirens and light is coming in from your house, don't freak out unless you're a drug dealer. I was thinking, you might want to, in that case, you might want to consider it's someone else coming into your house. <clears throat> wow. Hilarious. I'm saying to you guys, <laughs> you're not caught off guard. But you know what? I think there's so much work to do, and I'm so excited to be alive in this earth during this time. I've probably never been more excited than now. I'm so thankful for my wife. I have a deeper love for her than I've ever had. I'm falling more in love with her every single day. I'm thankful for my children. I take nothing for granted. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful I have you in my life and that I have this church. And I'm excited to be alive together during this time with you. So I'm challenging you with this last scripture, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. You've heard it before. I'm going to challenge you with this last scripture. Well, first, don't forsake the assembling. Now, if you're sick with a contagious disease like the flu or if you did get COVID, which I believe you won't, then quarantine and get healthy before you come. Don't bring your kids sick to the children's ministry. But if you're battling other kinds of things, back pain, neck pain, diabetes, cancer, AIDS, all kinds of other sicknesses, asthma, whatever it is that are not contagious, then you come here for healing. And if you're homesick and in quarantine, put the word out, get onto our website and submit a prayer request. And if you need food or you need toilet paper or you need somebody to deliver stuff, you better ask for help because that's what the church is for. We will deliver it. We will help you. We'll do whatever. And even if that meant we got to leave it on your front porch, I don't care. We'll lay hands on your doorpost for you. Whatever it is we got to do. Okay? And this should be the church's, re all the church's response. This is not just me. Every other church should be responding in this way in my personal opinion.
Now, I'm going to leave you with this, and then we're going to pray, and we're going to end a little early today, all right? 2 Chronicles 7, 14. Now, let me set this up for you. Solomon had just dedicated the temple, and the fire of God had come down from heaven and licked up the sacrifice, and a, and a glory cloud filled the temple. It's all in this chapter. I was reading that, and God was reminding me that he's still pouring out his fire upon sacrifices today. It's the fire of his spirit and the fire of his, his presence that comes and consumes your life. We present ourselves a living sacrifice. Rooted in the word of sacrifice, uh, the word sacrifice is a consuming fire that consumes your life. And God says, I'm still doing then what I did today in people's lives. It was a type and shadow. And so Mo, uh, Solomon had been crying out to God for all these things that were taking place and worked so hard to build God's house. In fact, Solomon built God's house before he built his own house. And so he finally gets God's house built, has his scribbled counter, crown to God. Now I want you to look, actually, let's go to verse 12 real quick. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 12, then the Lord appeared to Solomon when? Pay attention in the night seasons and pay attention at night. Spend time in the word before you go to bed. Get your headphones on and put some worship music on, whatever it is. Don't go to bed numbed out, drunk out, pilled out. Go to bed with your eyes on the Lord, and I promise you, you're going to have these incredible encounters in the night. And God showed up to him and said, I've heard your prayer. And what I want you to know is I've chosen this place as a sacrifice for myself as a house of sacrifice. I firmly believe that this church has been chosen by God. I'm not speaking for any other churches. This isn't a comparison or competition thing. I believe God has chosen this house for himself as a sacrifice. I firmly believe that. All right? I want you to notice this next verse. When I shut up heaven and there's no rain or command the locust to devour the land or send pestilence, among my people. Pause. God made it very clear in this entire chapter. And I'm going to show you the next verse in a moment, but he made it very clear that when you honor God and keep his commands and love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and be honorable and integrous, God would bless your life immensely, immensely and abundantly. And he would make that place where his name is known and he'd pour out his presence and his spirit in a mighty powerful way but when the people of god chose to dishonor turn their backs live a life as the harlot all of joel chapter two is that way or i'm sorry all of the book of joel talks about that hosea is a beautiful picture of that and he says look you say well god would never shut up the heavens or he would never send a plague or he would never send a pestilence well that's not what we read throughout the old testament and you can't not have a theology and understanding of suffering and you can't not have an understanding that when people are constantly defiant and disobedient to god that god doesn't come with his wrath now i'm not telling you covid19 is sent by god i'm not saying that but what i am saying is there's a pestilence and what i am saying is god's ways are higher than mine and i do not know the answer to that what i know is wickedness pedophilia pornography the world, in my opinion, has never been as wicked as it is today. You say, well, it was that wicked back in the days of Noah. Maybe. 
But I think with the technologies and the injustices happening today, it's unlike never before, which instead of a flood is going to come fire and Jesus is going to return and rescue his people first. That's what I believe. I believe we may, we're, we're going to face a lot of adversity and persecution, and I'm not afraid of it. And I don't know whether it's pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-tribulation, and I don't care. All I care about is that I'm ready when he comes. Do you understand that? Yeah. Stop getting so caught up in all your, the eschatology stuff. Love Jesus and love other people and preach the gospel. Yeah. Live the gospel, right? And so he says, look, when it comes, here's your response. Next verse. There's three things that are required of you and me in this, in this verse. And there are three responses from God. Everybody say three things. Three things he requires of us. And there's three ways that he'll respond. Let's read the scripture. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Three things. Okay. Notice it is humble themselves, pray, seek my face. Well, four things and turn from their wicked ways. Next verse. Then I'll hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and I'll heal, the, heal their land. This is a very powerful scripture. It says, basically, if we would humble ourselves, what does humility look like? Let me tell you the best, awesome form of humility to me. It's confession. It's repentance. It's brokenness. That's why in Psalm 51, David, after he'd failed miserably, murder, adultery, what did he do? He said, if God desired the blood of goats and bulls, I'd give it. But what he really desires, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. And in the midst of what's happening in the world around us, as much as I'm confident, as much as you see me excited, as much as I'm talking about being aggressive, as much as I, I'm not making light of the matter, it's a serious matter. All sickness and disease is a serious matter. And our response should always be brokenness and humility to it. Am I confident? Am I bold? Yes. Do I have an excitement in the midst of adversity? Yes, because I know the goodness of God. But other people don't, and there are still people sick and dying. So your response should always be, first, humble yourself, whether you did it or not. Because we bear each other's burdens, and we stay broken for one another. So the response is to confess anything in your life to the Lord. I love in James 5.16. It says, confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. For the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now we quote that second part all the time. The fiery, fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man is going to accomplish everything I'm praying for. It avails much. But we fail to forget the first part of that scripture because they go hand in hand. Confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. What does it mean to confess your sins to one another? What it means is anything that's bringing disunity or injustice or transgression to somebody else in your life, get rid of it, ask for forgiveness, confess it, don't hang on to it, don't have bitterness, because all of those hurts and pains and injustices can bring sickness to your life. But when you confess it, now healing can come and 
Now you can pray more confidently and boldly from a position of righteousness, first from the cross, and then by the fact that you're in right relationship with one another. And now how I pray, I pray confidently and boldly, and God hears me. Versus being bitter, angry, mad, sinning against one another. You can't live that way. And so this is powerful because God says that when you humble yourselves, in repentance and confession, it's extremely powerful. In fact, prayer in this scripture is directly tied to repentance. Do you know what repentance is? It doesn't mean that I just turn from my ways that I have been living. It means, first and foremost, that I change the way I think about something. Right? So to really forgive somebody, you have to see them through God's eyes. To really forgive somebody, you have to see what Jesus did for you on the cross. Now, you can't just haphazardly forgive. I really forgive because I know that I've been forgiven. You can really forgive because Jesus forgave you and did a supernatural thing inside of your life. And then you can forgive because when Jesus was on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And whether, whether they repent or not is not your responsibility. It's you making the choice to forgive so that you don't get held captive any longer. And so he says, if my people would humble themselves, that is, go low, confess, and pray, and repent, and cry out to God. There's also one other thing. Turn back to him. Turn from your wickedness and turn back to him. They go hand in hand. If I'm turning to God, I'm turning away from my wickedness. They go hand in hand. Let anybody that worships the name of Jesus Christ forsake wickedness, the Bible says. So I don't want sin in my life. I don't want compromise in my life. I don't want anything in my life that's not of him. But even if I went back to that, I still don't want it. I may have wanted it in the moment, but I'm always turning back to him and running to him. And God in his grace and his mercy and his power and his kindness eventually gave me such a disdain for that other thing, I didn't want it anymore. That was my case for getting high. I would get high all the time as a Christian in my first year. I'd smoke pot and pray in tongues, and I would want to conquer the gates of hell one day. But the next day, I would be in conviction hiding under a table because I felt horrible because I got so high that I was out of my mind. And that's when God taught, taught me to be sober-minded and to trust him in the midst of everything. And God gave me the resiliency and the strength and the disdain for it, and I didn't want to go back to that anymore. That's just what God did in my own life. Whether it was legal or illegal was not the point. Do you understand? So then God says, if you'll do those things, I'll hear from heaven, I'll forgive your sin, and I'll heal your land. And then God goes on to say, but if you don't do those things, and if you continue to live the way that you're going to live, then basically he'll remove his hand, remove his presence, and remove his name off of the temple. And we actually saw that happen, A.D. 70. And so I'm telling you guys today that this is the best time, the best time for us as a church to humble ourselves, to pray, to seek his face, but also to turn from wicked ways. Can you guys do it together? And even if you fail, even if you screw up, look, though a righteous man falls many, 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 many times, pick yourself back up. And get back to the cross, get back to the blood, go through the veil, and have access. Okay? All right, so we're going to pray now. And 
in the context of Joel, or this fast that I'm proclaiming, I'm going to blow this shofar. Uh, let's pull up that first scripture in Joel chapter 1, verse 14. You guys, if you want some really good reading, read the book of Joel and actually read the introduction to the book of Joel. In Joel chapter 1, 14, the nation of Israel was in total disarray. Fire, plagues, locusts. The nation had played the harlot. They had gone their own way. They had served other gods. They had basically prostituted themselves. And the nation was in horrible and complete disarray. Now, before this verse, that, uh, let's pull that up, Joel 1.14, I believe it was, that I gave you. Before this verse, it gives instruction to the priests that minister to weep uh, between the porch and the altar and to come before God's house and to cry out for God's people, which I'm going to do. But then he says, consecrate a fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God, and cry out to the Lord. That's what we're going to do on Wednesday, and we're calling the fast. Jump to the next verse in Joel that I gave you. Joel chapter 2, verse 12. Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and with mourning. Rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is a gracious and merciful. I love that. God, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing hard. This is so beautiful. Who knows if he'll turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him? I believe he will. A grain offering, a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the people, sanctify the congregation. We had the elders play, pray today. I was up here with little Zoe. Oh, man. Zoe Walker just captivated my heart in worship today. Her, her eyes and her smile, and we're singing Yeshua. And, oh, man, I felt the pleasure of God in this house. And so I don't blow my shofar very often uh, publicly, and I have not done it in a very long time. But when I blow this shofar, what I believe I'm going to do is release the trumpet sound over this house, over our city, over our land. It's time to call a sacred assembly. It's time for you to consecrate yourselves. Okay? If you're living with somebody and you're not married, get into another room or sleep on the couch. Keep your zipper up. And then get some help quick. Get some help quick. This is the time to live right. It's not play time. It's not show time. It's go time. So let's all stand. So I'm going to blow this several times. <coughs> and my prayer <coughs> is that as I blow this, it's going to release a war cry, a sound, a time of repentance. <laughs> presence, power of God, healing over our land, our nation. I blow this for the body of Christ all over the world. And I know that according to scripture that when you blow the trumpet, it calls together God's army to advance the land. All right.
Now I'd like to call my elders up and I'd like to call my prayer partner team up. If you are sick today, hurting, depressed, fearful, worried, we're going to pray for you because that's what the church does. I want to invite you to come up if you need prayer, if you'd like to kneel down at the front and take a few minutes. you got 10 minutes before you have to get your kids. Why don't you take a minute to pray for your nation, pray for yourself, or let somebody pray for you if you need it. Do not take the struggles, the fear, the worries, the doubts home with you. I love you. Let's give up something these next three days. Let's come together on Wednesday for prayer. We're going to have a powerful night on Friday night, on Wednesday night. Know that I love you. I care about you so much. Go and reflect Jesus brightly everywhere you go, and I bless you mightily in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on up if you'd like prayer. Prayer partners, come up.